Reformed Church. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 15. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 15. Um, Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. That we were talking about the unity of the Spirit before, right? If you, if you believe, in other words, if you have faith, right, by faith, right, you have received the Spirit of God, and it's by the Spirit of God that you dwell in him and he dwells in you. Verse number 16 says, and we have known, listen now, we have known and believed. So it's not just that you hear and you believe. It's that it is a person that you know, a person that you know. It says, we have known and believed the love, So you not only believe in the love of God, but you know the love of God, right? Because the love of God was not just something that God said, I love you. He manifested, in other words, he gave gave his love a physical form in Jesus Christ, right? He sent his love, right? He sent his love. And it says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he that dwells in love, dwells in love, dwells in God and God in him. You notice the Lord does that always. He, he, he says something, he says something, he changes a few words and reiterates the same thing again. And you know why he does that? So that when you see this, you see that he's defining that. Look, look, at, look at verse 15 again. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you look at that, that's simply saying faith in Jesus, right? Whoever, because you can't, right, if, you don't, if you don't believe in your heart, you don't confess with your mouth, right? So this is not talking about just confession and say the name of Jesus. That's saying if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in you. So that's obvious. That means you're saved. That means the Spirit of God dwells in you. But the interesting thing, you see the wording that he says there? God dwells in him and he in God. God dwells in him and he in God, right? So you keep that kind of in the, in, in the back of your mind for a second, maybe not so far back, but if you go to verse number 16, and then he says, he kind of repeats the same thing again, just a little different. And we have known and believed the love, but, but before he said, if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, here he says that we have known and believed the love of God uh, that he has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. It said the same thing again. You dwell in God and God in you. In verse 15, he, call, he calls the love of God, he calls him Jesus, the son of God. In verse number 16, he says, Have you, you, you know and you believe the love that God has to us, right? It, it, you know, it, it's an awesome thing to see God's repetition, but don't always take it like, okay, I listened to the first one and this is just God saying it again. When God reiterates something, and he does it very, very often through scripture, he's reiterating it because he's continuing to define. In other words, the Lord gives you a foundation of faith in Jesus Christ, and then he builds on that foundation always, right? When we have doctrine that's not built upon Jesus Christ, it's over here somewhere. That means it has no basis. That's why it falls apart. That's why you believe it today, and then tomorrow you believe the next thing that's more popular. But when, when your foundation, Paul said, there is one foundation that I lay, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I, I build, you, people are built up People are built up on the foundation. You're being built up on that foundation. I'm being built up on the foundation that is Christ, right? And if I'm being built up on that foundation that is Jesus, right? And there is no other foundation that any man can lay other than Jesus Christ. Now, men try to lay that foundation, but the truth is it's not really a foundation at all, right? It's it's, it's just sand. It has no basis. It has no strength to hold anything up. It doesn't hold water, if that's even a thing to say, right? It just, it's it's of no value, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. I had the the chapter written wrong. 
It says, for the love of Christ constrains us. That word there, constrained, is also like it compels us, right? The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge, or we judge this way, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. There is a ton to talk about there, but um, but uh, I'm going to leave you with this. J- just grab from here, uh, for the love of Christ, right, talking about the love of Christ, right, the love of God, obviously, we understand that's one and the same, right? The love of Christ doesn't have one sort of love toward us, and then God has a different sort of love, right? The love of Christ is the love of God, right? The, uh, for the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. So in other words, you correlate then, uh, you correlate Christ being called like this is the love of God manifest, right, that we were just reading before. And here it says the love of Christ is synonymous with the fact that he died for all, right? So what you put together there is that God manifested his love for us, toward us, he says, uh, in the death of Christ, right? He died for all, right? A very easy verse that you guys have heard hundreds of times, right, is uh, John three sixteen, right? God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him, faith, foundation, right, would not what? Perish, right? Same, same exact thought here, same thought here. Um, okay, all right, so, so I think from, well, let me, let me just give you one more. If we can go back to 1 John one more time. 1 John chapter four, I think we were, and take a look real quick at verse number nine. And we'll stop there with the love of God. Um, verse number nine, 1 John 4, 9, in this was manifested, right? You can't leave this one out. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. How? How was it manifested toward us? Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a really important thing when you talk about um, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, right? It also goes, obviously, with the notion of, you know, we love him because he first loved us, right? It's because we, we were, Romans 3 talks about the fact that there were none that were good. There were none that were seeking after God. So, not, in other words, there, were, there was no one loving God, no one. Every single person, without a single exception, the Bible says, had gone their own way. They, they went off to chase to do things their way, to seek after their own lust, to do their own thing, right? But then in the middle of that whole mess in the world, God said, I love you so much, I will love you first. In other words, I will manifest, not, not only will I tell you, as I have been telling you through my prophets and through, through the people that I have sent that I love you, but I will manifest my love so that you never doubt my love for you. So he sends his son in order to be, right, that, the manifestation of the love of God. Right, First John there says in verse number nine again, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. In other words, he made it evident. He made it apparent. He made it clear, right? I can, I can speak to someone and I can try to love them, right? But, but what, what, you see how the Lord does not separate me loving people from the love that he has manifested, right? He ties my love to people, right? If you take a, a huge needle and the strongest thread that you can find, he knits our love and the love of, and, and, and faith in Jesus together in one thing. Therefore, he gives us one task, and he says, he says, this is my commandment, right? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. But we've already defined that, love, right? If, if love is Christ, then he's talking about faith in Jesus. So he's saying, if, if you believe my love, 
If you believe my love, then you dwell in me and I dwell in you. So that's faith in Jesus Christ. That's not faith in looking forward to tomorrow. That's faith in Jesus Christ, the foundation of our life, right? And then, he, and then he says, and the second is like unto the first. In other words, he knits it together. And he says, there is, it is impossible for you to show someone that you love them apart from your faith in Jesus Christ. Impossible. Because that's what the world tries to do. The world tries to hold hands and sing songs together and love one another that way, right? But that is not love. That falls apart, right? The minute the wolf comes, people run and they scatter. The minute the wolf comes, they're gone. They scatter, right? But the love of God is not that way, right? God loved you and made it a permanent thing, right? And then when he, when he knits that love together with the, the love for others with the love of Christ, then it, it's simple. It's simple because that's why love is a fruit, Right? Love is not something that I try to show to my brother and sister. Love is something that is a fruit. I don't have to make that happen. I don't even have to try to love anyone. I cannot love others. In other words, that's, well, that's actually true, but that's not what I wanted to say. Right? In other words, I, I cannot not, if you can just take a double negative, right? I can't stop loving people. Right? Because that's, that's who he's made me, right? We are, we are new creations in Christ, right? Therefore, love is going to come out of you no matter what because you don't stop loving God. How, if you love God, he, I mean, the Lord makes it so simple. He said, it is impossible for you, for you to say. I, I love, like, definites when God takes, like, a Sharpie marker and just writes something, right? And he says, if you love me it is, it, if, and you hate your brother, you are a liar, and that, that seems a little harsh at first, right? Like, well, are you calling me a liar? No, no, it's the exact opposite that he's saying to you. He said, if you love me, you will automatically love the brethren because they're born of me, right? And, and the love that God has that he manifested to the world, in other words, listen, listen to that, to people that hated him, to people that didn't even give him the time of day, didn't even look for him, didn't care that he even was, even though he made everything that there is, to those people, he sent his son. To us, right? That weren't even looking for. Because I don't know about you, right? But where I was raised and where I was brought up in New York City, the last thing I had on my mind while I was growing up was Jesus. Last thing on my mind. Actually, it wasn't even on my mind, right? But then somebody began to speak the ministry of reconciliation to me in little bits and drabs, right? To tell me that I'm loved. And I didn't know that. I must have been 20-some years old when someone said that to me, right? That the Lord loves me. I didn't know that, but when I started hearing that, I liked that, right? But I wasn't even looking for him, right? How much more, like, when you take that, that kind of love like that, that kind of love like that, you, you can, you, you know, how, you, it makes your love or your attempt of loving somebody, it makes it look, like, so shallow and so empty and so worthless, right? Because, like, Lord, look at how you loved me. Like, Lord, love other people that way through me, right? I don't want to try to love anybody my way. How about if I just say, and and now I'm going to mean what I just said before by accident, right? I cannot love, right? Just like I cannot be righteous on my own, just like I cannot be full of joy on my own, right? Like you can try to get happy and you can show a smile and you can do all that stuff, but that's you, right? But I don't have to try to be happy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me. He brings up joy to my heart, a joy that's permanent, that's not dependent on anything in this world or any person, right? Complete joy, like full. He said, I say this to, these things to you so you will know so your joy may be full. You can't have full joy without Jesus. See, see here, here's the thing. When you begin to think of any of those things, if there's even a little bit of doubt in your mind about what I'm telling you right now, then look at it this way. What could you do if you didn't have Jesus? And if you 
If there are any qualifications that rise up in your mind, whoa, without Jesus, I can still love, I can still do, that's a little problematic, right? It's a, it's a problem, but it's not a problem between you and me, it's a problem between you and Jesus, right? That, that he came and did what you could not do, he says. And for us to look at the face of that and say, no, I can, that's not a great thing, right? But where we are, right, where we are as people, as the church of Jesus Christ, we, we're learning to say, like, Lord, I can't, right, without you. In other words, to say it like he said in John 15, without you, I can do nothing, but I'm not without him, so I can do everything. I'm not without him. You're not without him. So can you love? Oh, you can love like a torrent of love, right? Can you, can you have joy? Can you have peace, right? Can you be kind? And can you show that? Can that be manifested? Yes, but don't look at it as you can do that, right? He can do that through you. And let him do it. And he'll do it, he'll, he'll do it and he'll do it well, right? right? He'll do it and he'll do it well. So, um, so let, let's read that one more time in verse number nine. He says, and this was manifested the love of God toward us, right? Uh, this was 1 John 4. And this was manifested the love of God toward us in verse nine, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him that we might live through him. Um, and, and I'll tell you a little, a little piece there and then I'll get off of this subject so we can go on. There's a lot to go. Um, that he says live, right? In other words, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me, right? He wants us to live. But when God says, I want you to live, he's saying, and we were talking about this, it's, it's been a topic on, uh, I'm sure on many people's minds, right? The rest that the Lord has given us, right? Pastor Mike was talking about, and has been talking about the temple. See, that's how he wants, when we talk about conducting ourselves, it's, this is how I want you to live. Like, I, I want to give you life. I want to live through you. I want to show you what living is. I don't want you to attempt to have a good life. I want to, I want to show you that you have good life in you. It's called eternal life. You have a good life. Don't try to get a good life. You have a good life. Have already, present tense. Don't, you don't got to go get one. It's in you, right? Let the Lord take that life, and then he says, I'll bring it to your mortal body. The one thing, the one thing in our lives that we still have a hope for the adoption of our body, that's the one thing that has not received the adoption of Jesus, right, is our body. But, it, but here's the beautiful thing. It is already his it says the Lord is for the body and the body is the Lord's. It's already his. You've not received the heavenly one, but this one, this one that you see here with little hairs all over the place, right? This flesh, this fleshly mind, this is his. It belongs to him. He purchased it, right? So therefore, he can give life to it anytime that he wants. I'm not trying to beg and plead God to please give me a little life so I can feel better. It is his body already. He'll give life to it anytime he wants. So, and, and what is the anytime right now? He wants to give it life. So what is he waiting for? I'm glad that you asked because that's where we're going, right? What, 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 why don't why do we all just have all kinds of life? Why don't we all have a heavenly body right this very minute? If that's what God wants, I mean, I agree with him. He wants to do it and he's in me. So what's missing? I want you too, right? Life to my mortal body, right? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, hope in Romans chapter eight, let's go to eight. So we talked about love. We're gonna talk hope, right? Romans chapter eight and verse number 19. Romans 8:19. It says, "For the earnest expectation of the creature, and this is talking about creation itself, right? Waits for the manifestation of the Son of God. So the creation is waiting for what is in us to be seen completely, 100 percent outwardly. All right? Not that you don't have it. Manifestation is for it to appear, for it to be evident, right? 
Like Jesus was the manifestation of the love of God. He was evident. He lived. He walked. You can touch him, right? He hung on a cross. He was a real person, right? Manifested the, uh, the manifestation of the sons of God that's speaking about us. Verse 20 says, for the creature was made subject to vanity. That's, that he, it says that the Lord, when Adam sinned, he's, the, the whole world was subjected to depravity, to depravity, death, corruption. In other words, all of it was subject to that because the world was for Adam, right? So therefore, whatever Adam suffered, right, the world suffered with it. It was because the world was subject to him, right? Adam had dominion. He named everything that you see, right? It, right all the animals, he gave them names. So it was his. He, he became subject to death. So was everything under him, right? So was everything under him. But, but it says that it was, sub, it was subjected, it says, to vanity, not willingly, but a reason of him, that's a capital H, God, Right, God legally said, because you're subject to depravity, so is all creation under you, but he subjected the same, he says, in hope. Now that sounds a little different, right? Like the Lord subjected the world to corruption and depravity, but he subjected it to it in hope. Now that hope there is with, an, with expectation. But why is that? The expectation is verse number 18. He said creation itself is subject to corruption, right? Things die. They, they, they don't live. There's no life in the world, right, apart from the life that is in us. So he says this coming a day, the Lord knows that. The Lord knows this. Obviously, I'm not saying that your tree in your backyard knows it. I'm saying the Lord knows that there is a day coming. In other words, the Lord has, has foreknowledge, therefore we can have hope. In other words, there is a, a surety in our, in, in, in our knowledge and a surety in God that he says it will happen. In other words, it's subject now, but the minute everything that is in them is manifest, the way verse number 19 talks about, right? Creation will be healed. It will be well. Why? Because it is subject, it's still subject to us. The world in it, it still is subject to believers, right? In other words, Abraham was made a father, uh, an heir, sorry, of the world. Abraham was made an heir of the world. We are heirs of the world, Right? Just as Abraham was by faith, so are we heirs of the world. The world is subject unto us. Now, because it's subject unto us, whatever you do and wherever you go, you give life to things. Right? I, I always use the same example because I love it. Right? Such as I have, I give to you. You can share the life in you, and a man that, has, that can have not walked for years will stand up and walk. You're sharing the life in you. You can share the life in you with someone else that doesn't even know Jesus. You can share it with a tree. You can share it with the ground that you walk on. Right? Things, in other words, things receive life. Right? Things last longer for you. Things prosper because it is you. But, but not just because it's you here, but because it's you and it got in you. In other words, you are one with him. Therefore, the life of God in you is contagious to the things around you. So just like the sin of Adam was contagious to the world, the life in you right, propagates from you. Right? That, that's obviously how, where the new world will come from. Right? Verse number 20 says, it says, for the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but a reason of him who has subjected it in hope. Now, that means that it's not seen, right? We know it. Like, I know, the, I know the life of God that I have in me, but I don't see with my physical eyes everything that's in me either in my body. I don't see it. I, don't, I, 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 get, I get hints Right, and manifestations of what is in me, but I don't see it working 100% in my life. I don't see God working 100% in this world. I see things through believers happening, right? You, you see things going on, but you don't see him, you don't see the world under the dominion of God, the will of God being done across the earth. You don't see that. Therefore, we have this thing called hope. 
And it's not some kind of loosey-goosey kind of hallmark kind of hope, right? The hope that we have is something that is firm. It knows, right? You have hope because you know, just like creation, creation will receive our life one day, right? It will. It's not, oh, I wonder if it's going to happen. It will happen. It will. But so in your life, when you don't yet see something manifest, and there are things in my life I don't see, I, I, I agree with God but I don't see it yet in my flesh. I don't walk in perfect health all the time, right? I mean, I walk, I walk in health many, mo, so, so often in my life, the majority of my life I walk in health, but there are blips in your days and in your years where you see little things of sickness and disease and you're like, you know what, that doesn't belong. You, you don't have to feel like you have to cower back to sickness and disease like death has dominion. You, you look at the glory of God and you see that death has no dominion over him. Understand it has no dominion over you. You don't bow before death, right? You, you command by the authority that you have, right? And death and anything in this world obeys you. It is subject to you. It, it's an important thing to understand. It's a different sermon. But, but you are not subject to this world. The world is subject to you, Right? Jesus did not come, do what he did and come to live on the inside of you, so you think that you're subject to the world, right? If, if, you know, if, if people have different uh, things with that, but, but here, here's what I have on my side, what God says. The only thing that anyone ever could have on their side uh, that would be an argument to that is what you see, and that's simple. I don't live by sight. I live by faith in Jesus Christ. I don't care what people see, right? What you see is what you see, but God has told me and commanded not just me, but all of us, don't live by sight. If you live by what you see, your mind's just gonna go in a different direction. Live by what I've done. Live based on what, remember the foundation, right? He's saying live by that and be built up there. I'll show you that, because that's what we're getting to at the, end of this, at the end of this time is we're being built up upon a foundation who is Christ. Don't be built up on anything else. Don't try to build your own town. Don't try to build your own tower. Be built up here on him, right? Stay, 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 right? Continue. Um, in verse number, we, we had read, we said 1 John 4, 9, right? Um, no, no, Romans, sorry. Romans eight nineteen. And then we read down to verse number, did we read 21, 19? That's fine. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Look at verse number 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him, capital H, God, right, who has subjected the same in hope. Watch him define hope in a second. He mentions it again. Verse number 21, because, not, not defined, but it gives you another hint of it. Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be, shall be. Didn't say might be. Didn't say, didn't say the way the world uses hope. I hope it will be, right? When people use that word hope in the world, they, they're, it's just wishful thinking. I hope it, I hope it works out. That, that's not God's hope. We have to get our hope straight, right? When God says hope, he says it shall be. It's not, it's not a maybe. No, it shall be. It's going to happen. He said it shall be. It shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. In other words, he's saying I subjected it. I subjected creation, right, to the bondage of corruption that Adam suffered. Now the sons of God have been set free. Therefore, the liberty that they enjoy, creation will enjoy the same liberty. And he says he'll deliver it from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, our liberty. In other words, our freedom, our freedom. And you say, oh, freedom from what? 
<laughs> we were joking around the other day, me and Pastor Mike, because, you know, people used to say years ago, this is going a little bit far back, right? When a song came out and it says, I'm free to dance. Like, what the heck does that mean, you're free to dance? Free to dance? Is that, is, that what we, is that what we have melted down, the freedom that Jesus Christ paid and died on the cross, is that you can dance, right? It's not, it's not about dancing, right? It's that the freedom that he's given you is freedom from corruption, the same bondage that creation is subject to, and that's why when you open your eyes to worldly things, which we don't want to open up our eyes to that, but when your eyes are open to worldly things, you just see death and corruption everywhere, right? But, but when your eyes are focused on what Christ has done, you see, oh, there's liberty from that corruption. In other words, I've been exited from the way this earth works and the depravity in it. I'm not subject to it. It's subject to me. You, you ever wonder why Jesus can walk up to a fig tree and give it life? Or he can walk up to a fig tree and say, you shall not give fruit again. Right? Why, why can he do that? Because it's this thing called authority over the earth, right? Christ is, is above all principality, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the present world, but also in that which is to come. And he has seated you also with him in the heavenly places, far above all the same principality, the same powers, the same dominions in heavenly places, or on this earth, or in the world to come. Seated you with him. The same authority over the same stuff, right? Same authority over the same stuff. Verse number 21 again, because the creature itself shall be, that, that's, he says, subjected it in hope, in verse 21, he says, because it shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Just an opinion, right? That groans there, I believe, is tied exactly to that hope. I don't think it's any different. It's just different words for the same stuff, right? In other words, you're not, you're not groaning in pain because you're going to die, right? Your gro- the groan there is in hope, right? The Lord subjected it in hope. We have that hope of glory in us now, today. The hope of glory of God is already in you. You, you, don't, you don't have to go get hope. You, you have hope, right? You have hope. He, said, he says in verse number 23, and not only they, but ourselves also. Now, now watch, because it kind of brings it a little closer to us. Ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, we have the Spirit of God, right? Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. But, but watch, watch how this can be taken so far off of its context, but see how, look how simple it is. The Lord says, I subjected creation in hope. If I, can get, if I can have hope for a tree, do you think we that have physical bodies still that have not received the adoption of sons in our body, that have not, not received the adoption of God into this body, should not have a hope for this body and for this mind? If a tree can have hope that doesn't even have a glimpse of the glory of God yet, we that possess the first fruit, in other words, have the spirit now given to us, should we not groan with the same hope? Should we not, should we not be the ones travailing to give birth to what's on the inside of us and let it overtake our physical body? If a tree that is an inanimate object, that has life in it only to the extent of what God has given it, but has no emotion, has no spirit in it, right? Regardless of what any people would say, there is no spirit in a tree, right? So, so it, it just, the life that it has is the, the animation that God gives it. If, if that tree can have hope from God because it says this, it, it shall receive life, how much more us that already have the glory of God, 
say, you know what, there is a groaning in me, and look, look, look how it ties, just so you can see little pieces of God defining stuff, he ties groaning with hope. Here it's called waiting, if, but I'll, I'll read it to you. If you have a strong concordance, you can look at it and know that that word waiting coming up here is actually the same word hope. Uh, actually, and I'm going to do something that will help you that will even define this better. Look, let's read 23 again. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first, fruit, first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting hope for the adoption to, to what it says, the redemption of our body. It says, I have a hope in me that is that this body, right, I'm, will receive its, its reward. In other words, that what I, because what I have in me is already here, it might, you understand, the, the church believes in healing, but it doesn't understand where it comes from, right? The church, every church, the majority of churches believe in healing, but they don't know where it comes from. But it comes from the same glory you already have on the inside of you. Where else would healing come from, right? right? There's no healing doves that God sends from heaven to, and dispatch out to everyone. Angels don't dispense healing upon the earth, right? Angels have no power to heal a human being, right? Who heals? Life heals, right? God heals. Where is he? In us, right? When, when, when someone receives healing from you, they're receiving unto their body the redemption that you already have in you. It's just being affected unto their body, right? They're, it's receiving, they're receiving from what you have in you. How much more can you not receive from what you have in you? If you can give away to somebody else who doesn't even know Jesus and they can be healed, how much more can your body be made whole? Right? Because it's already, it's already his, right? How, if, if, if someone's body that does not belong to the Lord, doesn't even know the Lord, they don't have the spirit of God, and that person can be healed and receive wellness through you, how much more us who, who already have the spirit of God and our bodies are already his, right? We're wrestling something that we don't have to wrestle, <laughs> right? We're wrestling something we don't have to wrestle. He's already kicked it out. He, it's already done. He already, he already conquered, right? He already overcame, right? We don't have to wrestle anymore. I mean, and we keep talking about healing because we're talking about the body, right? But that's anything that you don't see. This is, it's worth probably just mentioning this to you. There are lots of things you don't see. It, it could be healing. It could be a manifestation of anything. It could be, it, there are things that I speak to the Lord about, right? Lord, I know what you've done, but I see these little blips of stuff that I don't like. And I want that to be consumed by who you are in me, right? But I don't yet see it, right? Let, let, let's get there. Verse 24. Um, for we are saved, it says by hope, oh, sorry, I did say I was going to help you with something. Uh, Brother Andre, before we go forward, can you switch to the literal standard version for verse 23? The literal standard version for verse number 23. And you know what, I'm going to open it here, that way I don't have to turn around. Um, so, so this is Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 23 we said. I want you to just see that when you look at it in, in even a more literal version, how, how it helps you to see the meaning. Verse number 23, and not only so, it says, but also we ourselves having the first fruit of the Spirit, we also ourselves groan in ourselves expecting adoption. You see how, that, how when something is literal, the English words that you learned as a child, here it said waiting for the adoption. Doesn't waiting make it seem la, la, la. It's not here yet. Wish I had it. Just got to wait, I guess. But that, that's not what he's saying, right? 
Look at what he's saying. I'll read it to you again. Verse 23. And not only so, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, we also ourselves grown in ourselves, expecting adoption. He says, and then he defines adoption, the redemption of our body. So you're not waiting to be saved. You're not waiting for something, for your spirit to receive something. He just said, it's just your body. Your body doesn't have it. So it's okay for you to say, you know what, this body it has not been saved, right? But this body is the Lord's, right? Right? In other words, that, that's probably not said right. Let's just keep it concretely before we say something right, that's not correct. This body has not received its adoption. It, in other words, this body is not as the body of Christ is today. Literally, not, not the body of Christ, the church, his physical body, right? his heavenly body. We have not received the body like his. But in every other way, we're just like him. Because he says, as I am, so are you in the world. Right? But this physical body doesn't look like his. Right? I don't, now, now, Paul says, he said this by the inspiration of the Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God. He said, he said it, it does not yet appear what we shall be. I don't know what it looks like. I've not seen a heavenly body yet, so I don't know what a heavenly body looks like. But he said, it, it has not yet appeared. It has not yet become manifest. It's not apparent what we're going to look like. But he said, this I know with all wisdom. He says, I shall be like him, though, because I shall see him as he is, right? So, so I don't know what I'm going to look like. But I do know what it'll be like. It's just like his. Because in every other way, I'm just like him. He is a son, and so am I. And I have been made an heir and a joint heir with him. Therefore, I know what I'm like. But this part, I just don't know. Right? This part, I just don't know. Yet. Now, we can't know, but we haven't seen it yet. It, it hasn't been made apparent, right? Um, let, let's go back there. If we, if we can um, switch back then to just regular King James Version, Brother Andre and Look at verse number 24. So now when you look at verse number 23 as an expectation, now when you read verse 24, it makes total sense, right? The, the word hope and the word waiting is, is, is expectation, right? So, so when you hear about the expectation that we should live with in verse 23, verse 24, he says, very similar to stuff that, in other words, what he did to us, he did to creation, right? And he will do to creation what he's already performed in us. Verse 24 says, for we were saved in hope. We were saved with that expectation, right? It's, it's not some kind of, again, it's not, it's not like a Hallmark movie kind of thing. Oh, you just got to have hope, right? No, no. It, it's, it's, he says, you, you were saved. I redeemed you and gave you a sure expectation and put it on the inside of you that your body will be, receive its adoption. It shall happen, right? It, but, but and we also know that we have already received the first fruits. So in other words, we can, Romans 8 says, right, that this body, well, we or in Romans 8, right, a little further down, right? He says that, that if the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, right, lives in you, then by that spirit, your body, your mortal body, he says, so there's no confusion, will receive life by the same spirit, right? So it's clear. He says, he says you don't, it's not renewed completely. It's not transformed completely. But you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? We are being transformed. That's not your mind. Your mind is what gets renewed. What's being transformed? You ever wonder? Right? If he says we're being transformed from glory to glory, what's being transformed? My mind is being renewed by the Spirit of God. My spirit is already as he is. The only thing that has not received the adoption of, 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 uh, of God right, to be made as he is is my body. So when he says you're being transformed, it's your body that's being transformed. He's changing it, right? It's the same word as transfigured, right? Christ was transfigured before them. His appearance, right? He was on the mount and, you, and his body was changed, right? It was transfigured. He's talking about your body. That's the only part of you that is still 
carnal, if you will, right? Right? Your flesh was cha- will be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. They're not the same thing. Transformed by the renewing, right? Transformed by the renewing. That's good. That's good. So he says, um, verse number 24, we were saved in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, when something is manifest already, you don't have to, you don't have to expect it. It's here, right? In other words, if, if, if you're invited over a friend's house and you get there, they're not expecting you. You've arrived, right? So here he's saying, for what we are saved by that expectation, but expectation that is, not, that is seen is not expectation. For what a man sees, why does he yet expect it, right? Why does he hope for it? If he sees it, you don't have to hope for it anymore, right? Verse 25 says, but if we hope, watch, but if we expect, listen, this verse right here will help you tremendously in your life. Whenever you get down on yourself, right, and it happens, right, you get down on yourself and you start having a woe is me kind of time, right, because of something you don't see, listen to this and write this down. I mean, I, I don't know sometimes how, how we, we, you know, we, we look at things and it, it just slips our mind, but my God, this is, this is a good one. Like, you ought to take a picture of this thing, you ought to remember it, you ought to cement it into your brain. Let the Lord cement it, actually. He says, for if we hope, or if we expect for what we see not, then do we do it with, then do we with patience wait for it, but guess what? The word wait there is also the word hope, right? It's not wait like we wait for it because you don't have it. We wait for it like it may not happen. You're just hoping. He says, wait for it. Actually, can we switch over to LSV again? Little for that verse. Verse number 25. Watch, watch this now. And if we, and if what we do not behold what you do not see, we hope for or we expect it. Through continuance, we expect it. Through continuance. In other words, what he said, that word patience is not just, you know what, suffer till he comes, right? That's continue in the faith. In other words, that's why, that's why we define the love of God and we're getting to the end here, right? We have a, a few minutes to go, right? But the reason why faith is so important, right, is because everything that you hear from the Lord is built up on that faith, right? Hope itself is built up on what you know about Jesus. If you don't know what the Lord did for your body, you, you're not built up in that area in your life. It's not that you're not saved. It's that you're standing on a foundation, but you've not, you've not been built up on that yet. You haven't heard it from the Spirit of God. You don't know it. So therefore, you don't walk in that. But all the newness that we have, the Lord wants us to walk in it. He said, that's why walk in this newness of life, he says in Romans chapter 6, right? But, but here what he's saying is you were saved with hope. In other words, you can expect, you can expect that that which is in you, right, will come out, right? Let, let, let me just show you something I think out of John 11. I think it's John 11. Um, let, let's go there. I'll show you in one second to see if that is right. Um, John chapter 11 and verse number 40. This is just a different way to say it, right? But Jesus says, uh, I believe he's talking here to Martha, and he says to her, uh, Jesus said unto her, said I not to you that if you would believe, that's the foundation, right? Faith in Jesus. If you have that, if you have that, and, we, and all of us that are his here have that. People, folks that are watching online that have faith in Jesus, that are saved, that have the spirit of God, you have that foundation. You're, you're, already, you're, you're already standing on it, right? You're standing already on that grace, right? He says, said I not unto you that if you would believe, 
you, sh- you will, should see the glory of God. That should is there is you will see the glory of God. In other words, what God says is that he's saying there, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see? You know what it is that Martha and Mary didn't have? Martha specifically here? She had no hope. She had her only hope that she knew of was the resurrection in that day because she had been, gr- she, had, she, had, she was grown up being taught of that day to come. But she had no hope for today, none. She had no expectation of the glory of God today. She knew, she knew not, right, that God would justify her, right, that, that, that through Jesus she could be justified and that she could be glorified. She knew not about that. Therefore, she was believing the things that Jesus said to her, and she even said, Lord, I believe, yes, that Lazarus will rise in the, in the last day. But he, he was very clear to her. He says, you're not understanding that I am the resurrection and the life. You're not seeing that it is me that's standing in front of you and that I told you that if you believe, you could hope. In other words, you could expect to see the glory of God, right? And then when she heard that, right, he was what? Raised from the dead, right? When, 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 you, have, when you have an expectation, I'm not, I'm not talking about a formula that, you know, faith and expectation equals results, right? I'm saying that when you truly expect because of what you have heard and you have faith in Jesus and you expect it, you, listen, that is, that is not something that will disappoint. I know that we, sometimes we feel very vulnerable in, because of the world that we live in, just holding something very steadfastly and surely and not doubting. So therefore, when you hear someone so sure about something, you think that they're a flake, right? But in reality, we have a sure expectation that you can take and hold with both hands and not let go and nothing bad's gonna happen, right? And what I mean by that is nothing bad is gonna happen. In other words, you won't, I'm not saying nothing negative will ever happen in your life. If you understand my meaning, right, I'm saying that when you trust God, when you believe in what he said, he is not going to be the one to disappoint you, right? He just will not disappoint you. People will disappoint you right and left. People believe one day, don't believe another. God knows what is in man. People are flaky like that. They flail a lot. So you can't, you can't put the trust of your life in the hands of man. But you can trust God though, right? You can believe what he says, right? And know that he says you will see the glory of God. You will see. We have to live that way. We have to live that way. And you know what it causes? It causes, it causes this, right? I know people online can't see it, but it causes the rest, right? When your eyes are centered on Christ and him crucified, on the law of faith, right? You, you, you will, you, your body is at rest. You're not working. You're not trying to be the one bringing life out of you. But what's going to happen, right? You will live, though, because that's why he saved you. He says that you would live. How do you live? Because he lives in you, right? It's not you trying to yank the stick in your hand, in your mouth, reaching down into your belly and pulling it out. But we pray sometimes like that, like we're trying to pull something out, right? You don't have to pull it out. It's effortless. He says you just believe where you stand. And you have a righteousness that gives you access to every bit of the foundation that you're standing in, who is Christ. You have access to that. And, and that gold, if you will, in, in the uh, we are the temple language, right? That gold in you, in other words, that treasure that you have in you, it's going to come out. Like the baby will be born. <laughs> you, you will give birth, right? But, but I, I, want, I want it now. I don't want to wait until that day. It will inevitably happen then. But I want my mortal body. I want the body of those that I love. I want the people around me to receive of that life today, now, right? Not to go on suffering. He says, after you have suffered for a little while, he says, then that you will be established in the faith. 
So, because what happens when you're established in the faith? Suffering ceases, right? Suffering is not something that you look at and you say, my God, this is never gonna end. Because if you think like that, you're just missing your expectation. You're missing, you're saying it because your hope is not on Christ in that area of your life. But when you can say, yeah, this is just temporary, don't just say it to cheer yourself up. Say it and watch. Say it as the Spirit of God reminds you, say it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed, and I pray you guys hear this the right way, right? Don't be ashamed of the gospel flying out of your mouth because you don't see something. That's not hypocrisy, right? That is faith, right? When you know something based on Christ and by the spirit of God it comes out of your mouth in prayer because it's not seen, don't flail, right? In other words, don't be double-minded, right? Elijah said, listen to boldness. When you know something, he comes up to a king and doesn't even say Jesus doesn't say God, doesn't say nothing. He says, it will not rain for three and a half years until I say so. That's not arrogance. That's someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. So a prophet who has heard the word of God and knows, and therefore he says it, and you could, you could swear that it was the spirit of God speaking, because it was, right? Now, when you try to cheer yourself up, eh, it's going to be okay, don't worry, it doesn't work, right? Because we're trying to just, we're trying to do everything that we can to cheer ourselves up, right? So I'm not trying to be mocking in what I'm saying. I'm trying to just show you there is a difference, right? There is a difference between what you hear routinely within, within uh, in other places and in this world about just have a positive mentality, just cheer yourself up. You know, you got to speak positive things. That's not what we're talking about at all. Like, you can take that and you can throw that out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Spirit of God, and this is where we're going to end. The Spirit of God on the inside of you rising up in prayer to help in your weaknesses, right, to help you in your weakness so that in your, out of your mouth will come what is in your heart by faith, right? Faith is first and foremost always of the heart. But Romans, Romans 9 says it will come out of your mouth. Faith is in your heart and in your mouth. He said that is the word of faith that we preach, right? In other words, th that's, that's what it, the truth will come out of your mouth. And when you say, you know what, when you speak things over your body, well, it's not a formula for healing, right? Speaking stuff over your body that you don't believe is not a formula for healing. It is quiet your confession for a second, stop your confession, and see what the Spirit of God is saying. We run our mouths a lot, right? Because we want it so bad. I understand the desperation of someone in pain. I understand all of those things currently. I get it. I understand that. I'm with you, right? But that doesn't help, though. Desperation leads to nothing, right? But if you stop and you, and you listen, listen, I, I, I wish I could labor more, but we got to end, right? Jude chapter 1, and there is only one chapter in the whole book, so that's an easy one. So when you say Jude, you can just say Jude in the verse, and you're there. Right, Jude, uh, I was gonna say 25. Yeah, actually, that, verse 20. Verse 20. Jude one twenty. It says, uh, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay, so you can take that, right? And, and I already know, I have sat where you sat, and I have heard what you heard. I get it. This to everyone in the whole world means praying in tongues, right? That's all it means, just praying in tongues. It doesn't matter whether it profits your mind or not. It doesn't matter if you understand what's going on. It's just start praying in tongues and then it'll just be great. Just do it, right? It's a formula, right? That is erroneous. It, is, it has an element of truth that's going through it, right? But it, there's no, you can't hold that, right? 
You can't hold on to that because praying and telling somebody, you know what, oh, you're having a hard time, just pray in tongues, it'll be great, right? There's nothing. You, you, you try to grab onto it and it just goes right between your fingers because there's nothing there, right? When he says, building up yourselves, and he gives you the perfect way to do it, but bear with me and we're going to be done here, but I don't want you to miss this because if you're going to hear something, you want to hear this, right? Building up yourselves in your most holy faith. I, the word holy there throws everybody off. Just, just, just put a pause on the word holy. He's talking about faith. Build yourself up in your faith. So what is he saying? I need to be built up in my faith in who? Who do we have faith in? Jesus. So I need to be built up in my faith in Christ. But that makes total sense, right? Because it jives with everything else in Scripture. Christ is the foundation. Every, you can only build on that foundation. We need to be built up there. He wants you to grow. But just there. He doesn't want you to grow here because that's not growth. There's nothing holding you. You can't grow if there's nothing holding you, right? It, it, you know, if, if, if you weren't standing on firm ground and your body started growing, right, no one would notice that you grew, right? If you were standing in water, you grew, you'd grow down that way. Nobody would know that you're any taller, right? You can't grow on anything that is not Christ. That's not growth. That's just information. But information, you can sink with information, right? But if you grow in Christ, you're growing on something that is solid, that is, that is foundational for life coming, right? So he says, build yourself up on your faith. And he says, praying in the Holy Ghost, right? He says, praying in the Holy Ghost. Um, wow. Yeah. We're gonna, this is going to be for sure a part two, but we're going to have to rewind. Um, in... Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hold your finger in your Bible. And because I'm the only one with a paper Bible, I'll hold my finger there. And in Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 21. And we're going to go right back to Jude. Um, is it 21? Sorry, Andre. Um, even, even better than that. Hold on one second. 20... 26 you just said, right? I, don't you love it? Like, you're just, he, he doesn't know. I, I wrote these notes, right? In the spirit of God, good, right? That's how it ought to be, right? That's how it ought to be. Just, oh, yeah, I, I, know, I already see where you're going, right? I already see, okay. It is verse 26, and it says, um, let's read 25. But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it, or are, we expect it. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit also, watch. Likewise the Spirit also helps us in our infirmities. That's not sickness, that's weakness, right? In other words, he says, helps you in your weakness, for you don't know how to pray like you should, right? Pause there for a second. I, I'm saying this as a comment, not as an insult. I'm saying it to myself. We, I'll say, do not know how to pray. You don't know how to pray. You do not know how to pray, right? Do not. Because if you do, you could have saved yourself. If you knew how to pray apart from Jesus Christ, right? And, and that, that can sound however it sounds. It doesn't matter. There is no proof that anyone could give me. No proof that anyone has, that any of you have or anyone online would have, that anyone knows how to pray apart from the Spirit of God. You do not know how to pray. Prayer is not talking to God, Right? There is, there, the Lord defines prayer of what we're talking about in this circle, in the church, as the prayer of faith, right? It is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It is not the well-meaning um, auditory uh, uh, pronunciations and confessions that heal the sick. It is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. The prayer of faith that heals the sick. So in other words, it's, it's a prayer based on something you know. 
from God because he is the one that teaches, right? You don't renew your own mind. He renews your mind, right? So I cannot, so I'll put it like this so it, doesn't, it seems a little less brillo and harsh-like, right? I don't know how to pray, and I don't know how to renew my mind, right? I don't know how to do any of that. I, I know how to listen to him, but I cannot renew my own mind. Therefore, I cannot rehabilitate myself, and I cannot pray by myself. Don't know how to do it. Prayer of faith by myself, I don't even know what that is, right? But with Jesus, I know what that is. Faith comes from hearing. So he says, with that in mind, he says, he, says he, he helps us in our weakness, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, right? With an expectation, right? Which cannot be uttered. In other words, he's in you, right? And he brings up to your heart, like, like, in other words, when, when the Spirit of God is helping you, you don't have to hear physical words coming from the outside into your ears, right? You can hear him. You don't know how you hear him, right? It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a speech. It's not audible words. It's not that the Lord cannot speak audibly. But what he's talking about there to help you in your weaknesses is that he's, he brings up to your mind so that you can see. And when you can pray, right? In other words, when you see it, he helps you so you can utter the right words, so, right, because you cannot pray and bypass a renewed mind. In other words, if, if the prayer of faith has to go like this, look, up. I know there's people watching online, maybe if audio, you can't hear it. If you point to your belly and you go all the way up, all the way up to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit coming, right? Up into your heart, renews your mind, and then it shoots out of your mouth. That's prayer, right? You can't go like this. That's not prayer, Right? And the Holy Spirit doesn't, he can do this. The Holy Spirit can do this. He can, he can sometimes bypass your mind altogether, right? And, and there are things that men have said, and they don't have a clue what they said. It just, I mean, Saul, right, an ungodly man, just start, comes into a road, and he starts prophesying. His mind wasn't renewed. He just started talking, just started prophesying. And everybody that came into that same spot started prophesying. That's not that they're filled with the Spirit of God and that God is, God is doing these miraculous things in their mind and they know Jesus. Not everyone that prophesies know Jesus, right? But God can prophesy. He can speak through anything and anyone, right? Did, what, did, did, do, you not, did, do we forget that the Lord spoke through a donkey, right? He spoke through an animal, through an animal, right? He can speak through whoever he wants. But that's not prayer, God can speak, but that is not prayer. But when he says, if you, if he says here that he helps us in our weakness, the Lord, the Lord begins to teach your mind and your heart because you don't know how to pray. So how do, you, how do we pray, right? You, you don't just get on your knees and just start talking. Oh, and God is so good. He just hears everything that I say, and he'll just come and just do everything that I asked for. Right? This is God Almighty. This is not a figment of our imagination like Santa Claus, right? This is, this is God that we're talking about. God, God is waits. He, he says, he says, he says when, when, when the Lord comes back, will he see faith on the earth? Will he see faith on the earth? It says, look at verse number 27. This will help. Verse number 20 says, he that searches the what does that say there? Can you guys help me? He that searches the what? The hearts. What does God do? He searches the hearts. He's talking about how the spirit of God in you brings up to your mind, into your heart, truth about Christ and him crucified. He's, you know what he's doing? He's building you up. Jude, right? He's building you, you up on that faith. 
He's built, he wants to build you up on that. So what does he do? He teaches you about Jesus up in your brain. He, he begins to what? And, and then it says, he that searches the hearts, which is God, knows what is the mind of the spirit because it is his. <laughs> right? He put it in you. He knows what he is in you. He put it there. It is him. Right? And he says, he that searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit that is, and he's searching your heart for the mind of who? For the mind of Christ. He's searching your heart for the mind of Christ. That's called faith, right? That's called a mind renewed. He's not searching your mind for all the, the, the little nasty thoughts that you have. He doesn't care about that. He wants to go through that to see is there faith in there, right? Because he wants to show you how to speak. He wants to show you how to pray. Likewise, it says, um, he, it says, verse 27, he that searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. An easy way of saying that is just how, how I just said it, right? He, he knows what's in you. He put that spirit in you. And, and he knows what the spirit is saying to you, right? Because it's his spirit speaking it to you. Jesus said that he, the spirit, when he comes, he will take up what is mine and he will declare it to you. He will take up what is mine and speak it to you. So, so we need, before you start opening your mouth and speaking things that bring disappointment to yourself because you're grabbing onto something that is not there, establish yourself first when you suffer in faith in Jesus Christ. Know where you stand and know what you have. Let him, like, just quiet your mouth and let him speak, right? God, we, we, we drown him out. You, me, we all do it. We drown him out, and we cannot hear because we're too busy speaking to God, right? If we were just to listen, he says, be quick to listen and slow to, to he says speak, but that word there is impulse, right? Slow to speak, slow to act, slow to do, quick to hear, be slow, slow, slow to everything else. That's, that's as much for me as it is for you. As much for me as if you, none, none of us have arrived, but thank God we have left, right? We haven't arrived, but we're going the right way, right? We're going the right way. So he says, he says, he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for us according to his own will. And we know, watch, <laughs> please, I, know, I know it's noon, but listen, this is good. Verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who what? Love God. That word love is not this. Well, it is. Let me explain it to you like this. If you love God, we defined it at the beginning of the service, right? It's faith in Jesus Christ, right? If you love God, you believe him. And if you believe him, he dwells in you and you dwell in God. You're his. You're one together, right? So when he says, when he says that, when he says, and we know that all things work together for good, the reason why things work together it's, listen, it's, um, it's, more, it's more than, I think there was a, a, a message that Pastor Mike preached. I don't know why this is coming up to my mind, but I remember Andre was on his back. That's all I remember, right? Uh, Pastor Mike was here, and he, Andre came up and just got like a, like a piggyback ride and was on top of him. It's kind of like that, right? It, it's, not like, it's not like I hold, you know, people say cute things. Oh, like I just grab the Holy Spirit's hand and we go downstairs in the basement together so we won't be scared. No, it's, it's better than that. I mean, that's cute, but it's just not truth, right? There's a little element in there. But the truth is that he's in me, though, right? So, so what Jude is going to talk about in a second, and we, we, we're very close, so if you stay with me, he takes hold with you. Right? He takes hold with you. So what he's talking about here in verse number, in, in chapter 8, it says that the Spirit takes hold with you to pray. In other words, it's both of you 
holding on to the same thing. He takes hold with you. He takes hold with you. So when, when it says there that all things work together for good to those who love God, right? Love God there is when you, when you read in a, the best thing that I can tell you, you know, there is a, there's a website out there called BibleHub.com. And if you don't, most people don't have just an interlinear Bible just kind of sitting around in their house, right? And most people don't, some people don't even know what that is, right? But if you look up a verse in BibleHub.com, you can hit an INT, that's interlinear. And what an interlinear does is it breaks out every word. And this is not like, you know what, if you don't have it, that's why you have the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to prove my point. I, I read that and I said, Lord, there's something there with that word love. So I just dug into it, but I knew the truth already. I'm just giving you something that will, could collaborate what I'm telling you, but I can give two hoots about BibleHub.com. I'm just saying that it collaborates what I'm telling you. Loving, love there is loving God. In other words, if you continue in the love of God, then are you my disciples. If you continue, if you don't stop, if you keep going, right? He says, if you become established, you will stop suffering. So it's not like this, that verse doesn't mean, oh, if you just love God, oh, I love you, Jesus, everything just works together for good, right? Because you see how weird that looks, right, when I do it? It's weird, right? I'm not trying to mock anything. I'm trying to tell you how flaky it looks, right, when we, when we think that way, like our mind's all over the place. It's just everything's just going to work out for me just because I love you, Jesus. That's not, I mean, that's so, look at how full of truth. It's the same chapter from that I've been reading to you from. It says there's a spirit that will come in you and bring up to your mind truth so it will come out of your mouth and he helps you in your weaknesses. And then he says in the next verse, and for, he says in verse 28, and we know. This is not something that you're like, you know, you're a little shy about. Like, we know that all things work together for God to those that are continuing in the love of God, to those that continue to believe, to those that are established in the faith, to those that say and pray things that are according to the will of God, right? In other words, praying according to the will of God is not can you find a verse, right? Praying according to the will of God, the way the Lord says, is praying by the power of the Spirit of God. That's why he says, and we will end here in Jude, right there we're going to end. Verse number 20, he says, now, with all that behind us, right, here's the crux of it. Building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So that is, that is you uttering things out of your mouth that are based on truth, that are solid, that are standing on a foundation that is Jesus Christ. And then when we were singing before that your heart is not moved, that's why it's not moved. You dig yourself in there and you establish yourself on the cross. And when anybody says anything to you that is not based on the cross, your mind goes, nope, don't even know what you're talking about. Nope. Sounds worldly to me. Don't know what you're saying. What you're saying right now has nothing to do with Jesus. Don't even, I can't even comprehend what you're saying, right? Because you stand on one foundation. And the Lord tells you, by the example of the temple, conduct yourself that way. Right? There is no conduct and no action and nothing that we can do that will ever work that is outside of that foundation. It just doesn't work. You'll fall right through. Right? It just, it'll, it won't work. You're, you're saved. Right? You love God. But, but stuff that you do, I wonder why that doesn't work ever. Right? You ever wonder? Just be honest with yourself. I wonder why that doesn't work. Right? Because, because we're, we're, we're using hope and faith and stuff so loosely, but we don't know. So because we don't know, it doesn't work. But that's okay. But that's okay, because that's why God has established you within a church, so that when you don't know, my God, right, you grab someone, a leader within the church, and you say, will you pray with me? So then we can pray with you, and we can build you up, or you can build yourself up. If you build yourself up, go ahead and do it. I'm not asking you to always, you have to seek out because you can't build yourself up. He evidently is saying, build yourself up. You can do it. 
But if you're not there, is there a shame in you hearing somebody else then build you up? There's no shame in that. It would be ignorant not to. It would be ignorant to go on suffering when you have somebody that can tell you something that you don't know yet. But if you think you know everything, that's a problem, right? If you think you got it all under control, that's a problem because I'll tell you something for sure. I do not, right? And therefore, that's why I have leaders around me and people that I, that I confide in that if I speak anything, they will respond to me with the word of God because I don't want to hear anything else. So I know who to go to. I know, I know when I stand alone, and I'm good with that, right? The majority of the time, I'm standing and I'm good. But if I'm not good for any reason in my life, I'm, I'm looking for no counsel other than the word of God. If you give me anything else, I will never ask you another question again, and you shouldn't either. Don't go to people that give you worldly advice. Don't stand with people that will give you worldly, worthless advice, right? Stand with people that will give you truth, right? So when he says here, he says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 21, and we're gonna, this is the last verse we're reading. Look, I'm closing my notebook. If I could recite it by memory, which I probably can, I would close my Bible too. But it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. We, define, we went through all of this, right? We defined love, we defined hope, we defined expectation, we went through all of that stuff. He says, when you are listening to the Spirit of God, he's saying, keep yourself there. Keep yourself in the, love, loving God is faith, right? We, we heard it all, like walk in faith, not by sight. Listen, look at what he says in Jude 21. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking Horrible translation, horrible, horrible. Can, can you go to the LSV for that one? I don't know if it's actually better, but maybe it'll prove my point, and if not, you can look it up on your own time. Verse number 21 in LSV. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You see how it changed the word there? Waiting for the mercy. But what, what have you seen? Forget about the translators for a second. What have you seen God say throughout the entirety of this message that wait means? Expecting, hope, Right? Expecting, assured expectation. He's saying there, if we go back to King James, keep yourselves in the love of God, expecting, expecting the mercy. You, you know what the difference is? If you teach that, looking for the mercy. Look, again, I'm not trying to say this mockingly. I'm trying to say it so that we see ignorance and we see truth. Here's what looking can look like. Looking. I will. The mercy of God. Be merciful, God. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Because I have family that prays like that, right? Lord, have mercy. What an insult. What an insult to God to ask him to have mercy when he loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son and was as merciful as mercy can be. What an insult to a God that has done everything to utter from our mouth, because it would never come from the Spirit of God, to say in the glory that we live in and standing in the grace in which we stand, to ask God to be merciful. There is no response from God from that, none. The only response that there is is just hear and listen because you're speaking too fast and you're listening to nothing that I'm saying, right? The Lord, he lives right in you, and he says expect expecting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, right? In other words, you, you can expect that what you have, didn't I tell you that if you believed, 
you would see the glory of God. Did I not tell you that, he said. If you believed, you would see the glory of God. You, you can bank on that. You can l- take your whole life and you can hinge it on the cross and him crucified. You can put all of it, all your eggs in just one single basket, one, right? But I would encourage you, listen, I, I, know, I know what it feels like. I, I have done such immature things in my life within the church, have said things to, I told you a little story, right? I, was, I, I had been saved for a number of years. I went up to the associate pastor one day because I felt that I just knew, you can't teach me anything. That's just a clear sign that you know nothing. You know very little. When you think that no one can teach you anything, you know very, very little. That's why the Lord says that he will take, that the foolishness of the gospel will confound the wisdom of this world. It is foolish. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Foolishness to him. So it doesn't matter what you read in the internet or what anyone has told you apart from Jesus and apart from the spirit of God. Wisdom that is apart from God is just foolishness to him, right? But, but when I walked up to him, to the associate pastor at that time of the church that I was at, and I said, I just wanted to know when I was going to get an opportunity to preach. That's all. You know, just you let me know. You know, if it works for your schedule, you know, you can have your people call my people and just let me know and I can preach, right? I didn't, I was such a child, but I thought, like, I knew so much. I've already been saved for years now, right? I know stuff. Like, I've been sitting in church listening for a long time. I'm ready to talk, right? It is a clear sign, and I'll tell you, and I still live it out today. I still see elements of that in my life today. When you cannot hear and you are quick to speak and slow to listen, right? That is not of God, right? Quick to speak and you're slow to listen, right? That nothing ever good is gonna come out of your mouth. But when we allow the Lord to say, you know what? And that's what he was showing me last night and I just basically shared it with you. When we allow the Lord to teach you and he says, you know, let me, let me, let me keep you. Let, let me keep you here. Let, let, me, let me keep you in faith. Let me keep you on this foundation. Right? When we just, when you get to that place, because that, that is a place where we could rest. You know, the Lord did, he didn't just give rest for our body, he also gave us rest for our souls, right? He, he gave rest for your mind. So I don't have to try to think theologian, right? I don't have to try to think Bible school, right? I went to Bible school, and the one I went to at least did nothing for me. Nothing. Zero, right? So, so I don't have to try to do those things. I, I have the mind of Christ living right on the inside of me, and w- the one that is searching my mind, what he's looking for, I'll stop here. What he's looking for is for what he said. Not for what your pastor said, not for what the commentary said. He, he that searches the heart is looking for what he said. And when he finds in your heart you believing what he said, now that is an equal sign. And you know what it equals? Faith. And faith in God will never disappoint you. He that searches the heart is just looking for what he said. If we can get rid of the opinions and the fluff that's around there, and we can say, you know what, Spirit of God, I, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm going to begin, Lord, to listen to you more than I listen to anything else. And that takes time. It, it, it's very habitual for us to look for an easy way out, right? Like we we want to look for something real quick on the Internet. You want to see real quick over here, can you find this? And we spend hours searching for stuff, and yet he's like, I know the answer to that. I can tell you. I'm right here. Hello. I can tell you. Right here, right, and we're devouring the internet. Like, we're all over the place. We're calling people, right, right, and he's right here. If we would just listen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have... 
please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.